The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. We are the land of the brave and the home of the free. What do these words really mean, and especially in painful times? We are pregnant with new possibilities. We can rise to the occasion. We can answer the summons of history. We can seek to be what we can be and do what we want to do to help heal our wounded American psyche and fix our broken political system. I want you to take a moment, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and listen to these words. We're living at a time when there are these two parallel phenomena. On the one hand, there's a rising up of energy today, an elevation of consciousness that's created a much broader, more spiritually sophisticated understanding of everything. Relationships, health, economics, business, education, and most particularly, ourselves. This energy is light, it's peaceful, it's loving. It's a consciousness revolution and cultural. It's big, it's serious, and it's everywhere. But then there's another reality oddly happening at the same time, where our whole society today feels like it's been put into a straitjacket. There's this newly imposed sameness that you're not supposed to question, you're not supposed to complain about, you're not even supposed to notice it really, except to say, well, it's just the way things are. And many people have started to resign themselves to this, to look away maybe so they don't feel the upset that they would otherwise feel. Because this new boxed-in order of things feels like some inexorable force that none of us can turn around. And nowhere is this worse than in how our politics functions. Because our government has been sewn into this straitjacket. It functions now at the behest of a corporate aristocracy, bought and sold to the highest bidder. Oil companies, pharmaceutical companies, chemical companies, big agriculture, defense contractors, financial institutions. First, they get what they want. And then, whatever crumbs that fall from the table of power after they've feasted are divvied up among the people. Well, some very bad ideas have produced some very bad results from this already. From climate change, to the poisoning of our food supply, to raging terrorism, to unsustainable inequality, to the dismantling of our democracy itself. And all that will continue until we change the trajectory of things in a really big way. When money rules our government the way it does now, creating an insane political establishment and sociopathic economy, it's time for a democratic revolution in America. A revolution of light and consciousness and love. 
the United States of America needs to be democratized. So we need to use our voices now, not in whispers, but in strong declarative sentences, not just at dinner parties or rallies, but in voting booths all over the country, and make it exceedingly clear that the people of the United States have decided to take back our democracy, to return the reins of power to the angels of our government. We need to read, we need to think, we need to organize, we need to march, we need to meditate, we need to support the right candidates, we need to be the right candidates, we need to vote, we need to be noisy, we need to be unapologetic, we need to be willing to be dismissed, we need to be awake and alive and full of love and telling truth to power, and if we do and when we do then America will break out of this ridiculous corporate straitjacket that imperils us the way it does now. Our government is being held captive, and only we, the people, the citizens of this country, can free it, which is fine, because we can do that. For we have a power inside us, more powerful than all the powers of the world. We just need to remember now that this country is in our Welcome to Sister John. Ignite your heart. Ignite your brain. Ignite the church. Mahatma Gandhi said politics should be sacred. At this year's Sister Giant, Marianne Williamson partners with Derek Harkins, Senior Vice President at Union Theological Seminary. It will be held in Washington, D.C. at the Marriott Hotel in Arlington, Virginia from February 2nd through 4th, 2017 where you can attend live or via live stream. Headlining this event is Senator Bernie Sanders and Reverend Dr. William Barber, founder of North Carolina's Moral Mondays. Key organizers and speakers of the conference are internationally acclaimed spiritual author and lecturer Marianne Williamson, who is here with me today to talk a little bit about that. Also, the state of our world, politics, spirituality, how they intersect, and what the psychological issues of our country actually are. Welcome, Marianne, to 1111 Talk Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Marianne, there's a lot going on, and we see a lot of rising up that's taking place. We saw a lot of rising up that was taking place even during the election time. And I want to start off first with the distinction of what part of that is our shadow frequency versus the rising up of inspired action. And in that distinction, what do we need to do as citizens to make sure that we're acting on the inspired action part of ourselves? Well, you're question uh, makes a very good point, the very fact that you're asking. Because anything that is not love is, by definition, our shadow self. But on the other hand, the chaos that is created by lovelessness is actually something that leads to the light. In other words, once there is an illness, once there is a wound, you can't just suppress it. It has to come up in order to be healed. And, you know, they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, every problem comes bearing its own solution. So I do believe that the problem we had here, I mean, that this is such a multidimensional situation, obviously. But one thing is that fear and racism and xenophobia and uh, anti-everything, I mean, just this whole notion of separateness, which, according to The Course in Miracles, is the sin, i.e., the the, the non-alignment with love, was harnessed for political purposes. Now, however, 
the fact that there is so much rage generated by this, or at least not the rage itself, but upset generated by this, and even protest generated by this, I don't see that as shadow. I see that as a good thing. I see the fact that Americans are awakening and not okay with a direction in our country that is more about scapegoating certain groups and building walls and even lying and 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 policies that go directly against our established values. I see the fact that there is so much upset about this as a healing crisis. I don't see this as an example of of the shadow. I see that as an example of the light breaking through. You know, once I had a big gash on my hand because I fell, and then there was my hand was very very red. And a doctor friend pointed out to me, he said, you know, Marianne, that means the red, red blood cells are rushing to the wound. So the fact that it's red right now is actually a sign that a healing is taking place. So the crisis we're living in, you know, I lived during the time of the Vietnam protests. Well, those protests were important. They ended up uh, ending that war. And it is now established that that war was a terrible idea. And the Iraq invasion was a terrible idea. It would have been a more healed and holy situation if there had been more, if there had been more upset about that and protest against that in, during the run-up to the war. So the fact that there's upset in the air right now, I think, is actually a sign, as much as anything else, that a healing is taking place. Now, I can't, and none of us should, minimize the critical moment we're in because this is also a bit of a tinderbox, and you People need to really keep their heads about themselves. But the fact that there is, uh, we are in a crisis of itself, if we handle this correctly, is a healing crisis and not a sign that something is wrong. I think it is a sign of something that's right that's happening in response to something that's wrong. And Marianne, the rising up that is taking place that so many people feel called to come into, it is a result of symptoms that have occurred and are those symptoms because of our complacency in the past because we have not taken charge and responsibility of our world as individuals to to allow something like this to then slowly fester and become a huge wound and a lesion that is now as you say red and blistering in many ways it is um, that complacency, that disengagement, particularly from politics. I think there are a lot of people listening to your program who would probably say, I'm very engaged with the world, I'm very engaged with my community, I'm very engaged with issues that matter, and I think that's true. But what, and obviously it's true in many people's lives. However, I think it's also true in the spiritual and higher consciousness community, Sinman, that there has been a tendency among many, many people to disengage from the political process because they didn't feel that that's where ultimately change comes from. Where, Well, anybody who thinks this week that change doesn't come from politics is just in, in some ditzy land because a lot of change is coming from politics this week. I'm not saying that politics is the is the um, mode of ultimate healing of the world. It's, it's not for those of us who believe that that uh, that the level of cause is the level of, of, of spirit and, and internal work. But on that level of effect, politics is extremely important. And I think that many of the people in the higher consciousness community, by being complacent about politics, not complacent about the world necessarily, but disengaged from politics, I absolutely think that's part of what has happened here. You know, our political leaders should represent the highest 
um, uh, frequency and vibration of the American mind, not the lowest. And what has happened now is that our president has harnessed some of the baser instincts of the American mind for his, to build up his own political power. That is simply the truth. When you have one-third of the president's um, Twitter followers, also followers of white supremacist Twitter feeds, uh, you have a problem. Now, I'm not saying that everybody voted for, who voted for Trump is, because I don't think they are at all. But when you look at the uh, numbers that gave him the political edge and allowed him to win uh, the presidency, um, I think we, we, we now have a situation on our hands where he is, well, he, 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 he's, you know, this business of executive order after executive order out of, after executive order. This is not the American way. This is more, this is dictatorial. You know, we have a Congress. We have a balance of powers. So we're in, a, we're in a political crisis today, but I, I have faith in the American people. I have faith in the American mind. And I see, even particularly among the spiritual community, more people waking up and going, whoa, whoa, what's happening here um, than I've seen in our country in a very long time. So this is the harnessing of fear. It has allowed some oppression, some dominance to really rear its ugly head. And oftentimes, especially in the realms of spirituality, love is often considered a more fluffy, soft point of view. How do we understand the point of view of love that is strength and power and grounded so that we bridge spirituality and politics? Well, love is not a fluffy power. But I think that many, much of the conversation of the higher consciousness community has been considered fluffy because we have made it so. If all that the conversation of love um, means in, in my life is that I put pretty share graphics on my computer and, or on my Facebook page, if all that a fluffy conversation about love means is that I you know, have pictures of little kittens uh, holding on to each other you know, that I post on Twitter, if all it means is, is the love that... I am looking for in my life rather than the deep conversation about love that I'm giving. If my love only means something to me in terms of my own personal relationships, but I'm not willing to consider what love would mean as applied to economic justice, as applied to international relations and peace building, as applied to a love of the planet itself, as applied to love of children, not just my children, but children on the other side of town and other side of the world, then it is fluffy. But that's not because love is fluffy. It's because of the conversation that is fluffy that has too often dominated the higher consciousness field. And that's why people like yourself are so important, Simran. People who hold a, a higher conversation about love that is not just fluffy. And, and right now, you know, if, if you look at someone like Martin Luther King uh, Jr., for instance, Dr. King, all he talked about was love. He said that it is to, we have the opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of human civilization. He said that the political externalization, externalization, that means that allopathic level, that level of effect, he said that's what the desegregation of the American South was about. And those things are important, but that is not the ultimate goal. He said the ultimate goal is the establishment of the beloved community. That's why he said that we need a quantitative shift in our circumstances and a qualitative shift in our souls. It's not either or. It's both and. 
So if I just talk about the outer things without addressing the deeper causal spiritual issues that are unaligned, then I can make it best temporary progress before the, the, the symptom of the wound will morph into another one. But if I only address cause, then I'm not in, in transcendence, I'm in denial. I'm just choosing this real convenient conversation where I don't necessarily have to look at the harder things going on in the world and in the suffering of other sentient beings around me. Sister Jine is a conference that has assembled some of America's leading thinkers to discuss a broad range of topics, including voter suppression, <clears throat> environmental protection, racial justice, getting money out of politics, the media, and galvanizing political activism. You can register now for the Washington event held at the Crystal Gateway Marriott, 1700 Jefferson Davis Highway in Arlington, Virginia. Go to sistergiant.com. You can attend live or you can attend via live stream. It is time for us to rise up. It is time for us to be sacred activists. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. We're gonna walk it out and move on days. At this year's Sister Giant, Marianne Williamson partners with Derek Harkin, Senior Vice President at Union Theological Seminary. This conference will bring together an illuminating mix of thinkers, gathering to consider the state of our country on both spiritual and political levels. We will incubate ideas and contribute to plans by which each of us, particularly now, can help move America in a more enlightened direction. These are painful times, but they are also pregnant with new possibilities. We can rise to the occasion and answer the summons of history, seeking to be what we can be and do what we can do to help heal the wounded American psyche and fix our broken political system. Go to sistergiant.com, sistergiant.com. Be present today, live or via live stream, and make a difference in your world. We'll be right back with Marianne Williamson. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, 
expanding the heart and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Every time and we wonder why, do what we can. Laugh when we cry and we sleep in your dust because we've seen this all before. Culture fades with tears and grace, leaving us stunned. All of the shame we have seen this all, seen this all before. Many tribes of the modern kind doing brand new work, same spirit by side, joining hearts and hands in ancestral twine, ancestral twine. Many tribes of the modern kind doing brand new. Same spirit by side, joining hearts and hands in ancestral twine, ancestral twine. The eagle is the ruler of the skies. As the eagle soars through the skies, he owns the skies. He is the ruler of the skies as he is one of the largest birds capable of taking flight. He flies fast and furious and glides and drifts on the heat pockets and the airstreams of the high sky. The Native Americans consider the bald eagle and the golden eagle to be sacred. As eagles are the highest flying birds, they were seen to be nearer to the Creator. The meaning of the eagle symbol was to signify courage, wisdom, and strength, and its purpose was to be as the messenger to the Creator. In America, the eagle is a great symbol, and it is now time for all of us to be eagles in flight, to bring forth the courage, wisdom, and strength that this country was founded on. I am with Marianne Williamson, and we are discussing Sister Giant today. It is in its fourth year, and it has a huge array of individuals that are lining up to support a deep conversation. In addition to Bernie Sanders, uh, the lineup includes U.S. Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, the first Indian-American woman in the House, Dennis Kuchnik, former U.S. Congressman and Champion of Diplomacy and Peace, Karina Gore, Director of the Center of Earth Ethics and the Union Theological Seminary. Tom Hartman, radio talk show host, and many, many more. Marianne, these individuals that are coming together, they're having a conversation about democracy. They're having a conversation about how we create change, about how we support ourselves in a time where it appears that the psychological fabric of our nation is what needs to also be looked at in addition to the political system, because we're looking at a sense of narcissism that is taking place that has been a shadow of America that we too need to embrace, just as we would do our own inner healing, personal healing with our wounded child. In a sense, what's showing up outside of us is the inner narcissism and woundedness that we're possessing that needs to be looked at both internally as well as externally. Talk about our roles, both in the internal aspect and the external aspect of the issues at hand. 
Well, that narcissism, it's more than narcissism. I mean, the ego or shadow, as the Course in Miracles says, it is suspicious at best and vicious at worst. It's more than narcissism. The genocide of Native American people is, is an expression of something deeper than narcissism. Slavery is an expression of something deeper than narcissism. Um, institutionalized white supremacy and so forth. This shadow, whether it's in an individual or in a collective, is it's something deeper than selfishness. It's genuine destructiveness. And that shadow has been... Um, because it, you know, all that a collective is is a collection of individuals. So any shadow that exists in individuals and exists as a nation, but as a collective force for both good or, or fear. So we have always had that in our country. We, we have, on one hand, have been based on the most enlightened principles ever to inform the founding of a nation, equality of all people, equal opportunity before the law, all of those in, incredibly enlightened ideas, separation of church and state, religious freedom, and so forth. But at the same time, many of the men who signed those documents establishing those principles were themselves slave owners. So from the very beginning, we have had this polarity. From the very beginning, we've had this dichotomy. And our journey through history has been one in which every generation, there have been those who stood for and, and worked for and struggled for and brought about and in some cases sacrificed for the fuller manifestation and embodiment of our enlightened principles. But there have also been in every generation those who with, uh, resisted that. So you had both the slave owner and the abolitionist. Now, the, the, you had the, the, the white supremacist and you had the civil rights movement. We are both. And so as important as it is to identify our wounds and our shadows, I think particularly at this time it's important to identify with the abolitionists. So yes, we must identify racial injustice, but we also must identify this with the civil rights workers. We must identify with the abolitionists. We must identify with the extraordinary quality of personhood that has been demonstrated by our ancestors, by Americans who came before us and solved America's problems. You know, otherwise we will feel powerless at a time like this. It's important for us to remember that this is not the first time we've had a dark chapter in American history, and this is a dark chapter. Something is very, very wrong right now. But on the other hand, we are the heirs of a legacy, a thread, a historical trajectory by which, when it was necessary, generations of Americans rose to the occasion. And that's what we must do now. We must rise to the occasion and do what we in our own hearts are led to do in order to be part of the interruptive impulse uh, that I, I believe and that so many of us believe is absolutely critical and necessary at this time. I was in a relationship for a very long time with a malignant narcissist, and I understand the crazy-making and the <laughs> gaslighting and the types of things that become involved. And when I look at what's going on between the way people are speaking about things taking place or lies that are being put out into the media or how facts are being twisted, that quote, alternative facts, this in a sense is the crazy-making and the gaslighting that typical psychologists can denote to narcissistic personality disorder. Are we as a nation allowing ourselves to be gaslighted on certain issues? And what's the responsibility 
that we have and where do we go to find out the truth so that we ground in a place that is true for us as opposed to trying to make sense of who is telling us correct information and who is not. Well, I don't even think that the issue is where to go to find it. I mean, there are traditional news sources that we know are not fake news. The Washington Post is not fake news. New York Times is not fake news. You know, there are, there are enough, uh, uh, to, you know, mainstream and not mainstream uh, news sources that we know are not fake news. The issue is not where to get the truth. The issue is to know that if your eyes look at grass and it's green and somebody comes around and says it's blue, that you know that it's still green. That's what's happening now. The problem is not that the president is saying one thing and you don't know what to believe. The problem is that the president is saying things that are obvious lies. When he says, for instance, that what is happening right now is not a Muslim ban. Well, excuse me, yes, it is. When he says things like, we had more people on the mall, and your own eyes look at the picture and say, no, it's not. You know, we have a situation today where throughout the campaign, there were psychologists writing and talking about the fact that this was a severe narcissistic disorder. And the behavior that is emanating, in many cases, from the White House today are, are the symptoms of that. The issue is not where to go to find the facts. The issue is where to go inside yourself to be willing to face the facts. And um, I think enough people are, including people who voted for Trump. I think many people voted for Trump for very good reasons, and we're just hoping that sort of these aspects of his personality would not be, that he would, somebody, what, somebody would control him. I don't know what they thought. But he is being the person who many people felt he would be as president. And, um, you know, there's some people who think this is ridiculous, who do not believe that this is a severe narcissistic disorder, who do not believe that his, his current behavior is the expression of an unstable mind, but many of us do. And I think at this point, it's not even about trying to convince anyone else. It's about acting on, on what your own convictions are. There are people who do not agree with me, and that, and that is their right. I think the issue, though, is that for people who do agree with me, to be very involved right now. There are marches all over the country. You know, people say, oh, but the marches don't do any good because they're not strategic. Well, I disagree with that. Marching is the strategy. And I think when we see people uh, showing up, I was at the Women's March in Washington. I went to Battery Park yesterday in New York City. I think when you are actually in groups of people, and following the news, just following the news right now. And once again, your established newspaper in your town is not fake news. See, this is what the president is doing. The president is trying to demonize the traditional media in order to delegitimize it, in order to place within the American mind a sense of doubt and cynicism about our news media. Well, in fact, freedom of the press is a, is a bulwark of American democracy, I have my own problems with, with uh, corporatized media. I have my own problem. You know, I've been treated unfairly by the press myself. But this is gone beyond. This is like into crazy zone. Um, this is gaslighting. This is actually yes, this what is gaslighting is. This is gaslighting. Yes. And to someone like yourself, who has experienced it on a personal level, is more able to point it out on the collective level and say this is insane. And I think, someone that's true of a lot of people who are in our community who, who have this perspicacity about psychological issues and boundaries. And if we're going to say that person's a sociopath and we need to have a boundary, why wouldn't we do that if, we're the, most per- if, if the most 
powerful person in the world is behaving like a sociopath and 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 perhaps a boundary or two would be a good idea here why would we be be loath to say that i think we should be the ones who should be leading that charge now we have always been a country that has separated church and state and there is a certain definition to what that particularly means but now we've gone into another whole area where we're saying Muslims are banned, or but if you're of a Christian faith, then you're going to be given more priority to come in, <clears throat> and that's even creating a hierarchy in itself where we are creating religion to be divisive, and we are still instilling even more fear around different types of people. How How is it that this conversation of religion is happening? Because that almost seems like we're stepping back into the dark ages of religious persecution. <clears throat> Well, let's be very clear, that's exactly what we're doing here. When you and I were children, we went to school and we were taught about people coming to the United States for religious freedom. Because in the countries where they lived, they would be killed or they would be exiled if they did not um, convert to this religion or that. We were taught that as children and we were taught it from a place of, but this is America and we don't do that here. And yet, as you're pointing out, we're beginning to do that here. That's what this Muslim ban is about. And yes, Mr. President, it is a Muslim ban. Uh, Rudolph Giuliani uh, has said that the president came to him and said, show me a way to do the Muslim ban in a way that is legal. And we have other things that are going on. Notice that on the Holocaust Remembrance Day, the president's uh, statement did not mention Jews. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that, that, that is the talk of a Holocaust denier. That is, that, that is because he wants to, I suppose, keep the support of his Nazi sympathizer friends, his white supremacist friends, who do not wish to acknowledge the Holocaust as being primarily uh, an effort to exterminate Jews. So something is going on that you are absolutely right, Simon, is a step backwards and not a step forward. And I think a lot of people right now are kind of in shock. Like, what is happening? And when we also look at at this viewpoint that he has, you know, I I, I do, in a sense, believe that we need to take care of our own at home. And there's so many people here in this country that we need to support sometimes rather than sending all of our um, armed forces to other places to save other countries. Yet this idea of complete selfishness of America first almost is... It's, it's the epitome of selfishness because that's not what America stands for. And so how do we move away or, or understand that America first from that perspective is different than taking care of ourselves? Because there's a very fine line between those two. And one is very diabolical and dark and the other one is more self-care but still inclusive of the rest of the world. Well, first of all, when it comes to protecting American workers, I agree with you, and I agree with President Trump on that. That's why when he talks about, um, when he talks about some of his issues on trade, I agree with him, uh, including being against the Trans-Pacific Partnership. For that very reason, I don't think the United States have been protective enough of the economic interests of our own workers and vis-a-vis some of these trade deals. However, let's be very clear. When you just said that we've sent our troops out to save other countries, no, 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 no. We didn't send troops to Iraq to save Iraq. 
you know, we've invaded other countries in a case like Iraq. So I think this romanticized version that the United States has that every time we've sent troops to other places, it's been to quote unquote save other people. Um, uh, if only it were true. We're very good when, when, and very generous when there is a, um, um, a tsunami somewhere or an earthquake. Um, and I think all Americans are proud of our country when we do that. Uh, when we, we are, we're the first to send, um, you know, the, 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 the resources if there is, you know, a terrible tragedy in, in certain countries. On the other hand, there, there is a, there is a, there, there's a term, one is the screaming emergency, and one has to do with the permanent emergencies. So we're very good with the screaming emergencies, but when it comes to the emergency situations that people uh, deal with every day of their lives, the United States actually spends less than any other advanced na- democracy uh, of our budget on actually helping on humanitarian aid. We spend actually 0.6 of 1%. So there's this propaganda that we're so generous. Let's be very clear here. Now, when you look at the amount of money that is being spent on that wall, he, he, he proposes a wall between that and Mexico, billions of dollars. I think it might even get into the trillions. Would that money not be better spent doing what you just said, helping the people here? Can you, you, you talk about insecurity in, uh, for Mexicans. When, when we talk about most of the crime in the United States, it's not from people coming in from Mexico. It's from people who, who's, who, who are emerging from some of the most desperate communities in our country in terms of uh, the failure of the education system, lack of, education, uh, of economic opportunity, and so forth. Spend the money there if you want to protect yourself. Spend your money there if you want to, to diminish your crime rate. And, of course, this Muslim ban is the silliest thing. And another example of the gaslighting. The president is saying that we're doing this to protect ourselves. Excuse me, not one refugee, not one immigrant uh, coming from any of the nations involved in this ban have, have, have committed a terrorist crime. Not one of them. And I even heard a yes. U.S. congressman last night talking about that. And the, the, the person kept, he was mentioning Fort Hood and he was mentioning San Bernardino. And she said, excuse me, none of these people, this, this, once again, the gaslighting, there's just an out and out pathological lying involved here. And it's not like you need to know where to go. You've read the newspaper. Just read the newspaper. It's not that hard to find the facts. And you go, wow, these people are just telling us something's blue when our eyes say it's red or green. Yes, exactly. And if we look at the statistics, actually there have been no killings from any that are the Muslim. No. It's actually no. white supremacists Zero. accounted and for 12,000 murders last year. And also, let's be very clear, this ban is causing a lot of suffering and a lot of, of, of deep sorrow. It's like when you and I were, well, I don't know how old you were, but when the wall was first built uh, between East and West Berlin. And if you visit Berlin today... You know, they, they talk about the night the wall was built. Well, somebody was just visiting a friend, let's say, in the east side of the city. The wall was built in the middle of the night. They, they couldn't get back to their homes, to their families for decades. And the tragedies of these things. Um, there is so much human suffering going on as we speak. And I know Kelly Conway said yesterday, well, you know, what's, what's 120 people having an inconvenient day? This is not about just 120 people having an inconvenient day. This is something much, much worse than that, uh, causing much, much more, more suffering than that. We are here to make a difference. We are here to stand up for our country, ourselves, and 
for those brothers and sisters across the world. We are a land of freedom. We are a land of equality, and it is time that we stood for that. Take a moment and listen to Xavier Rudd as he expresses those words. The search for authenticity for our deep humanity should not stop at the door of politics. If anything, it should extend deeply into the realms that affect so powerfully the existence of Earth's billions of inhabitants. From how we treat the environment to how we treat each other, our political choices are significant indicators of our moral values and spiritual convictions. The times in which we live call for a critical reevaluation of our relationship to life around us, to our federal citizens, to our country, and to our world. Yet in our order to transform our current challenges, we must address them from a holistic perspective, recognizing not only the external, but also the internal dimensions of both our problems and their solutions. This is from the SisterGiant.com website. Take a look and you can see all of the different speakers that will be coming to Sister Giant 2017 on February 2nd through 4th. And Make certain to attend live or via live stream. That's sistergiant.com. We'll be right back with Marianne Williamson. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33. 444 people all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication subscribe to 1111 magazine today 1111mag.com 1111 magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich multi-sensory experience engage with experts and topics of consciousness become enlightened empowered and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. (laughs) From the role of citizen to the role of media, from how we can get money out of politics to how to stem voter suppression, from understanding misogyny to transforming racism from protecting the environment to protecting each other. Sister Giant will present ideas and facilitate actions that lead us as a nation from a consciousness of fear to a consciousness of love. The question of many of our hearts at the moment is, where do we go now? At Sister Giant, they plan to discuss the options. Let us understand more deeply, dream more boldly, act more powerfully. If miracles are possible anywhere, then miracles are possible everywhere. You can register now to go Go to Washington, or you can join via live screen to co-create a political awakening that shows who we really are. We must not be passive. We must not be silent. We have much to do. This is from the website of sistergiant.com. You can go there and read Marianne Williamson's latest article, The Great Resistance 2017, from the Huffington Post. You can also listen to a recent talk by Marianne in regard to Sister Giant and the story and how this has built. Marianne, this is the fourth year of this event. There's some amazing people that are going to be there. There's some very deep conversations that are going to take place about some very critical issues at this time. And the, the name of the event is Sister Giant, but it's not just for women. It, it, is, it is about anyone who wants to really stand up for the democracy that we are founded upon. Can you talk Absolutely. a little bit more about that? Yes, when I first did the Sister Giant conference, it was just for women because it, was a, it wasn't that men were told they couldn't go, but it was a conference for women because it was about women getting involved with activism and politics and so forth. But as it has morphed over the years, um, and I just do them when I feel like doing them, um, it, it clearly, particularly this year, which is such an all-hands-on-deck type of moment, this is about anyone. You know, it's like at the Women's March. There were many men there. When I, when I did a women's march in Washington. So this is the moment. I don't care who you are, what your sex, what your color, what your, what your ethnicity. This is a time for all of us as Americans to join and, uh, and to build a field of consciousness um, that is reparative. You know, in, in A Course in Miracles, it says, an idea grows stronger when it is shared. And that's why we're doing Sister Giant, for all of us to join in a field of consciousness that, that is considering Another way, a better way, a politics based on conscience, a politics based on love, a politics based on justice, politics based on brotherhood. Um, I probably should have changed the name for this one because 
it's been very difficult getting that message out. I've looked at the roster of people coming, and by far, something like 90% or more are women. So I have failed at, at, at really convincing men that this is for you, too. But uh, if, if I ever do it again, I think we'll change it to Citizen Giant or something like that, because I'm, I've said that till I'm blue in the face, but I'm, men are still not responding to the call. Well, and you have a lot of amazing men and women that are speaking. There's yeah. there's almost two dozen, and Senator Bernie Sanders is keynoting. Congresswoman Jaya Paul is going to be there. Michael Weiss is speaking. Rabbi Lerner, um, Lisa Bloom, yourself. There's so many people that are involved and standing up, and it is men and women. Give me a little idea for our listeners as to what the course of the, the February 2nd through 4th schedule looks like and what they can expect to experience and receive from this event. The night, uh, Thursday, February 2nd, the two keynote speakers will be Senator Bernie Sanders and the extraordinary Reverend Dr. William Barber, who founded the Moral Mondays movement that you're probably well aware of being, of being in the South yourself, uh, Samran. The next day, starting Friday morning, we, it is a developmental process where we are addressing politics from the inside out. We are going to hear from Gene Houston. We are going to hear from a religious panel. We are going to hear from people talking about the, the journey of the inner self uh, as much as the journey of the outer self in terms of what it means to engage politically, what the, what the quality and aspect and expansion of personhood is that enables us to embody citizenship at the highest level and conscious citizenship and how, how does citizenship become part of our spiritual journey. So... By the time we get on the second day, well, really the third day of the conference, to the hard-hitting political issues, we're all, we've already taken on some of the deeper internal conversation. So, you know, some conferences you go to, and they say, at 10 o'clock there will be this speaker, at 11 o'clock there will be that speaker. I don't want to do that because I don't want people to pick and choose. I want people to attend it kind of like a workshop where you are going through a process and you're going through a journey from being there. And I think if people really sort of choose, oh, I want to do the, exter- the day of talking about the external issues or I want to do the day talking about the internal issues, I think you'll miss the experience. You'll, you'll miss the process. Now, what is my goal? My goal is that people at the end of the weekend leave there lit up. Now, I look at this the way I look at all my work. What you do afterwards is your business. You will have gotten information. You will have you will have come to understand some things more deeply. I'm even having a gentleman give us a kind of, I call it American Civics and American History for Dummies class because a lot of people don't remember the civics they learned. A lot of people aren't really clear about the Declaration of Independence, aren't really clear about the Bill of Rights, aren't really clear about this Constitution, aren't really clear about what the first principles are of the United States. And I think, Simran, part of what's happened in this country is if you don't know what your basic rights are, and the basic tenets of American democracy are, you don't know to be horrified when someone transgresses against them. Like, for instance, what's happening right now, there's a court order. A judge has, has, has halted some of the expression of the Muslim ban. Well, the president is ignoring that. That's a constitutional crisis. That's not how America works. You have the judicial you have the executive, and you have the congressional. And they exist to be a check on each other's power. So if the president does something, you know, one of the 
big examples of this in history had to do with uh, the Cherokee Trail of Tears in which thousands and thousands of Native Americans died. Well, Andrew Jackson said, we're going we're gonna to relocate these natives. And the, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't. And, and Jackson said, stop me. And he went on and did it. That is considered today to have been one of the worst shadow moments in American history. And theoretically, that would never happen again. So, you know, these are the more you know about history, the more you can deal with it intelligently. One of the basic tenets of nonviolence is to educate yourself. So I hope that people will feel that day educated. You know, educated about some things that have happened in American history and that are happening in American history. And then from that, we'll leave there with your own internal guidance. You know, for us spiritually, you, me, all of us who are into this stuff, you know, the the bottom line guidance system is internal. So I feel that people will leave there with with, with a bag full of jewels in terms of information, knowledge, and understanding in terms of what could be done on an external level. And then what happens after that? We'll just be citizens who are more prepared to rise to the occasion, and I think we can all feel good about that. It, it sounds like an opportunity to build some muscle. I know, you know much of my audience tends to, to come to me more for the spiritual conversations and that sort of thing, but it's, it's those very people oftentimes that don't know how to work in this 3D world when it comes to things like politics or the legal system or issues that they would have to face of this nature, and so they tend to shrink back. So Sister Giant yeah. sounds like it's a process, a protocol, a workshop, an experience that allows them to build that muscle to understand how to walk in the world. You are absolutely correct. And you know, Simran, I I read a a study once that said for a man to feel confident in expressing his opinion, he has to feel 20% confident of his facts, only 20%. Whereas a woman, in order to feel okay to express her opinion, needs to feel 80% confident of her facts. And I think what you said is very true. A lot of women, particularly, who have the right instincts, but kind of lack the facts and so don't express their opinions enough. And I hope that people will feel that they leave there that weekend really filled with some facts and some, some connecting of the dots historically, politically, and so forth that they just didn't have before. You know, Simran, politics is not a dry uh, field. This stuff is juicy. American history is juicy and fascinating. And, and like I've said so many times, People who are in the spiritual community should be the last people sitting out this process. Because if you know what changes one heart, you are someone who has a clue as to what would change the world. So that has been my desire for a long time, to help bridge the gap for people who are involved in spirituality but but have been disconnected uh, from that aspect of selfhood to political involvement to help uh, forge a bridge and to build a bridge. And um, I think it is a worthy, uh, worthy effort, uh, particularly today. Definitely find out more about Sister Giant. You can go to sistergiant.com. It is this upcoming weekend, uh, February 2nd through 4th, and you will be enlightened, inspired, and have the facts and the understanding of how you can rise up and feel very grounded in the stances that you're wishing to take. Thank you, Marianne Williamson, for your sacred activism, for your continuous voice and leadership, and for the heart of gold that you continuously express. 
in right love of love, you, with Simla. love and as love. I am Simran. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.